Welcome back, Keith. And now let's talk about the MLB offseason news and updates. And um, first off, let's start off with some big signings for the Yankees. As so far, um, they got Adam Anavito to form that that bolt that bridge to Chapman. It'll go from Anavito to Britain to Batances, and now they and now it goes to uh, Chapman. So, what did you think of that signing for the Yankees to get Adam Anavito? I absolutely love that signing. I, I really love it. And we talked about last week the uh, the division lining up in the AL East, and I kind of said that I was flipping flopping a little bit between the Yankees and the Red Sox. I think with these moves that the Yankees have made, they've absolutely catapulted themselves atop the AL East, in, in my opinion. I think right now this is looking at not only the best bullpen in baseball, but arguably maybe the best team in the American League. I, I look at that bullpen right now, and it's, it's incredibly deep. Chapman, Batances. Britain, out of Vino. A lot of people forget about Chad Green. Those terms deep guys that can throw mid to upper 90s, great breaking stuff. And I, I think that this bullpen is just going to absolutely shut light, shut the lights out of Major League Baseball. I absolutely love the signing. Yeah, I mean, look at this. The Yankees bullpen looks great on paper, but I still think it's still the Red Sox division to lose because I still, I really, I like the Boston Red Sox. I, I think this Red Sox team is going to be a great team for a long time. So are the Yankees. The AL East is going to be tough. The AL East is going to be tough. I, I think you look at the Boston Red Sox, I, you know, the lineups are, when you look at the Yankees and the Red Sox, they're, the, the lineups are uncomparable just simply because there's, there's just so much power up and down both lineups. Um, I do favor the starting rotation of the Red Sox more. Uh, just because they have a little bit more proven guys as far as, you know, the Chris Sales and, and the David Prices of the world. And, but, you know, I, I think especially over the course of the last couple of years, what we've been seeing in Major League Baseball is this massive bullpen revolution. And one team in particular that I can think of, la- even last year, the Milwaukee Brewers. Obviously, they weren't able to get to the World Series, but the way that they were able to have that dominant bullpen with Hayter and Jeffress and, and Knable, I take a look at this Yankees bullpen right now. They really don't need their starters to go massively deep into games late in October because they have five guys in Green, Ottavino, Britton, Batantis, and Chapman that can bridge that gap all the way through the rest of the game. And I think that that's been more crucial over the last few years now more than ever. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the starting pitching can go deep in, in postseason games, but since 2016, it has been a trend that it's been the bullpens that have been holding those leads. It's it, And the bullpen is the reason why teams rise or fall a, a lot of times, especially in the bullpen. And this is why you've seen guys – Let's stock up on these bullpen arms. You think of the Cleveland Indians going out and, you know, they have Corey Kluge, uh, excuse me, um, Cody Allen at the back end of their bullpen, right? They have a guy like Brian Shaw. You go out, you get that lefty Andrew Miller kind of super reliever. You take some pressure off of guys like Kluber and, and Carrasco and Danny Salazar, obviously, when he was healthy and Trevor Bauer. And that's I, in, especially in postseason games when you see guys like I can think of a Luis Severino, that bullpen takes pressure off of guys like Severino, who maybe at the end of the year, they're gassed, they don't have their best stuff, maybe they're they're not feeling right in that particular game. You get that deep bullpen, takes a lot of pressure off your starting rotation. It's absolutely essential for this day and age. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. But since we didn't talk about this last week and since you were new to my podcast team, Keith, let's talk about and break down our early predictions of the 2019 MLB Awards. So let's start off with our Rookie of the Year predictions. So let's start off with both the American and National League picks. So um, I'm going to start off with the National League pick. Although I, I have Alex Verdugo and Victor Robles being contenders for that NL Rookie of the Year pick race in 2019, but I see somebody winning it unanimously in 2019 for National League Rookie of the Year, who I think is going to have a very, very good season. And that is Fernando Tatis Jr., the Padres, who I can't wait to see play. He's going to make the opening day roster for the Padres. And I think Fernando Tatis is going to have one special season. I think you and you and I see eye to eye on that perfectly. And if I'm, uh, and, and if the guy that's in my mind for your American League pick is the guy that you're going to say, I think we're going to, See eye-to-eye perfectly on both things. Tatis is an absolutely amazing talent. I agree with you that he's going to make this opening day roster. Um, and I think he's going to make an absolute splash. And, you know, I, I for my American League pick, and I think we see eye-to-eye on this, uh, I have Vlad Guerrero Jr. of the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, same here. He's going to win the American League Rookie of the Year award unanimously, too. That race will not be close. Oh, no. it's have... The White Sox, I think Eloy Jimenez is going to definitely catch up and get some first place votes, and then I, I and and I think that race won't be close than the National League one. The National League one will be kind of close, but Verdugo and Robles will be in the mix. But Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to win it unanimously in the National League. He will win it in the National League, and uh, the Ameri- like you said, the American League race is is just. I I hate to say it, just because the season hasn't even started. Hell, spring training hasn't even started, but. I, I take a look at that talent that Vlad Guerrero Jr. has. It, it's, it, I think it's going to be a wash. I think it's going to be an absolute wash in the American League race. It's not even like it's not even going to be close. Yeah, I think Fernando Tatis Jr. and Vlad Guerrero Jr. make the opening day rosters for both the Toronto Blue Jays and the San Diego Padres. Well, for, I, and I think frankly, both teams will be stupid not to have these guys up there. Um, you know, especially I, you know, especially the Toronto Blue Jays in their case. I know you can, we, we could say that same thing for the San Diego Padres, but I think in the position that the Padres are in, I think they kind of know they're going to be in the bottom three in that division. I take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't see a reason why if they can't maybe add another bat or two, maybe another rotation piece. I don't see why they can't you know, kind of trade places a little bit with the Tampa Bay Rays, not not overtake them. I think the Rays are a better team up and down, especially starting pitching-wise. But you have to have an impact bat in that American League East with all those big boppers. And throwing a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in there with that type of power potential is is only at the betterment of your team for bringing Blue him Blue Jays fans are going to love him for sure. And uh, here Buck Martinez go nuts when he calls Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s home runs this year. So – I could definitely hear that in the highlights. Oh, it's going to uh, – his highlight tape at the end of the year you watch. It's going to be something spectacular, something out of a movie. And it's, don't be surprised if that's the same highlight tape that you're watching for 10, 15 years of just straight dominance from Vlad Guerrero Jr. And I saw a highlight film of Vlad Guerrero Jr. hit a home run off a building, which was insane. Uh, he's got incredible power. I've – Oh man, his and his swing is fluid too for for a really big guy. And I think that comes from obviously his father Vlad Guerrero is one of the one of the best hitters that I've ever seen. And um, you know, obviously the apple hasn't fallen too far from the tree. Oh yeah, but 
Um, I that's why I think the American League one will be close. Will not be close, but the National League one will will be a little close. But it's going to be Fernando Tatis's to lose. But I think Eloy Jimenez of the White Sox will will be the runner up for the American League Rookie of the Year award. And I'm not sure who's going to be third in the American League Rookie of the Year race. Well, whoever's going to be third, it's can tell you one thing: it's definitely not going to be anywhere close. But you know, I, I take a look at the the National League race, and I I kind of see a little bit more rookies in the national league that could come up right now and make an impact i think and this is just my personal opinion i see kind of these american league rosters especially the contenders a little bit more formidable with these veteran bats to where there's not going to be a whole lot of break in room unless you're one of those teams like the white Sox that are kind of in like the the middle road area um but for the but for the national league you see teams like uh, the San Diego Padres and, you know, the Nationals obviously have that great young guy in Victor Robles, who's now going to break in for a spot now that I'm pretty certain that Bryce Harper's leaving. Obviously, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to the Harper thing in just a moment. But now let's move on to the managers of the year for both leagues. So for my National League manager of the year pick, I'm going to pick Dave Roberts because although he was the most criticized manager in the postseason last year, and I think he should not take that for granted. I think Dave Roberts wins the National League Manager of the Year because I think he's turned around this Dodger team around, and this Dodger team, when opening day begins, is going to get better, and they're going to be so hungry for that World Series title that L.A. Dodgers want. I'm going to go out on a limb here because I think they're going to get Bryce Harper, and I think they're going to have a good shot at getting that one of the wild card spots. I'm going to go with the Phillies, Gabe Kapler. I think if they can get Bryce Harper and they've been taught and we've heard reports that they're talking about signing a Keiko signing a Craig Kimbrell. If they can get Harper and maybe one or two of those guys, if not both, I think this is a team that can be with the St. Louis Cardinals competing for that second on that first and second wildcard spot. And if that's the case, then I, then I have to tip my hat to Gabe Kapler because that's a very young team. And you get an impact bat like Bryce Harper and take him to the top. That's going to get you that recognition for me. I'm not also ruling out Mike Schilt too. The Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are going to be a very good team that's going to turn turn their season around and be the winner of the NL Central. I I think that that's going to. Be, I think there's a huge possibility this year that we could see three teams from the National League Central not just make the playoffs, but I think there's a possibility that there's three teams that win 95-plus games in that division, especially with the Paul Goldschmidt signing for the St. Louis Cardinals being as huge as I think it will be. Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, for my pick for the American League Manager of the Year winner, I think I'm going to go with the guy that I think helped the Rays get better last year, and I think this year they're going to be a – heck of a team to watch this year and it's going to be Kevin Cash I like that pick and I'm gonna my my pick is gonna be Aaron Boone of the New York Yankees I think that this team with the additions that they've made uh you know I love deepening the infield with DJ LeMahieu he's a guy that is a, a former batting champion uh I love adding Adam Ottavino to that bullpen I love adding James Paxson to that rotation I think this is a Yankees team that could win 100 games plus again and I think that Aaron Boone is going to lead them to a uh, to another playoff appearance, and hopefully this time they'll be able to go deep into the playoffs. I think so, but is but the thing is for the Yankees, they're not going to be with Didi Gregorius to begin the year because he just had Tommy John surgery, and I don't know 
what the Yankees will do with their infield when D.D. Gregorius comes back. I know Miguel Andujar is going to be off limits in trade talks. Uh, Miguel Andujar is going to be off limits. I don't move Glaber Torres for a second. Um, I think right now I'm taking a look at this team, and I can see – I can envision if an infield right now of Andujar, Glaber, Luke Voigt, and D.J. LeMahieu, and th- th- that's not too shabby with four guys like that who – not only can hit, but you saw the power potential last year for Andujar and certainly Luke Voigt with that tremendous size has the 20 home run plus power that I think that he's going to grow into. And, uh, you know, all around that team, I, I think Didi is a big loss, obviously, just because he's able to hit really well. And he's obviously one of the better defensive shortstops in the league. But with the the emergence of the young guys like Glaber and Andujar and then getting a DJ LeMahieu, I think that this team is going to, not not be perfectly, completely fine without his absence, but I think that they're going to be able to fill the void. Yeah, I think Tulowitzki's no uh, Didi, but Tulowitzki could still hit. Tulowitzki can still hit. He's a veteran player, and he's got you know he's a good clubhouse guy. I love throwing him in Yankee Stadium. Um, I think this is going to be one of those years for him where he's probably going to be. 75 to 80 game type of guy. You don't overuse them. You have them in some good crucial pinch hitting situations. You can obviously, uh, you know, switch him in for good matchups and be able to give those uh, starting guys a rest. He's a very good pickup for them uh, on, on the free agent market. Yeah, for sure. And let's move on to the Cy Young Awards. So my pick to win the National League Cy Young Award is Clayton Kershaw with uh, Walker Bueller and – Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer, and Jacob deGrom as the runner-ups behind Kershaw. And for the American League Cy Young Award winner, I'm going with Corey Kluber with Blake Snell and and, uh, Justin Verlander as the runner-ups. I actually have – for my American League, I have the same three, but I swap it with Verlander, Kluber, and Snell. And then for the National League, I'm going to go out on a limb here and give it to Aaron Nola at number one with, in no particular order, DeGrom, Scherzer, and and with DeGrom and Scherzer coming as the runner-ups. I think I, you know, I loved what I saw from Aaron Nola last year. And I think that him being able to get Bryce Harper in that lineup is is going to potent that run support behind him and make him go out there and, and pitch even better on an everyday basis. He's clearly proven he's a number one in the city of Philadelphia, and I think that he's going to be able to, to rise to the occasion this year. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Nola, what I saw from him, he's an ace already. He started out from a guy from being bad, and now he's a guy that's going to be a, a special pitcher for the Phillies, just like how Cole Hamels was. But are you not ruling out the possibility of Kershaw? Do you think – let me put it this way. Do you think Clayton Kershaw and Walker Buehler will be in contention for that NL Cy Young Award this year? Oh, absolutely. And and we'll talk about the uh, the breakout players in a little bit. I think that this is a year that Walker Buehler has the potential to win 18 games. Obviously, Kershaw is, a, is, is Clayton Kershaw. He's one of the best left-handed pitchers of, of all time, and he's one of the greatest pitchers that I've ever seen. Um, I, I, all I'm simply saying is, is that I think – when it comes to the Cy Young, and we've clearly seen this now, obviously, with DeGrom going out there and, and having the, you know, the not-so-great record and having the unbelievable ERA, what I think is starting to happen with the Cy Young revolution is it's not so much about the team. It's more so about the pitcher. 
So I think that's going to be taken into consideration a little bit more just because I take a look at the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's a first place team that you see there. Um, I, you know, Max Scherzer obviously has a very good roster over there in Washington. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think a lot of people will take a look at Aaron Nola this year. You'll have the numbers, uh, obviously from Nola, that's not really a question, but to be able to lead a staff the way that he will with some young budding talent that's rebounding from what was a really, really bad second half. I think that's going to put him at, at the limelight this year. Oh, for sure. And now uh, let's move on to the pit for our picks to win the American and national league MVP. So let me start off with my national league, league pick to win the 2019 national league, most viable player award. I'm going to go with the guy that came off of Tommy John surgery and left hip surgery <laughs> His presence was missed last year for the Dodgers. And I think along with Cody Bellinger and Max Muncy, I think Corey Seager will be my pick to win the National League MVP. I actually love that pick. I do love that pick. I think that Corey Seager is going to be a sleeper guy for that pick. Um, I think a lot of people are going to kind of, you know, just kind of put him to the side a little bit because like you mentioned, he's coming off of injuries and nobody's going to really expect him to come out right away and jump out of the gate. But I think that he's going to put on a much bigger show, especially early on that a lot of, you know, that people won't see coming my pick for the national league MVP, because I think this team is going to rebound so well will be Paul Goldschmidt of the St. Louis Cardinals. I think that that, like I've said, that addition for them is going to be absolutely essential, especially to deepen that lineup and give protection for Matt Carpenter. And I, I love him going into that division. I think that it's, you know, like I said, this is going to be a division where you're not only going to have three playoff teams, but this is going to be three teams that can win 95 plus games. And Goldschmidt's has that ML and he's had that MVP potential his entire career. And I think that he's going to come out for the Cardinals this year and fulfill that potential once again oh for sure and also for the national league race to an mvp i expect cody ballinger justin turner and max muncie to get some votes too i do i i expect a big bounce back season from ballinger we you know we talked about this last week i think he you know that sophomore slump is is behind him now and i think this year he's going to come out hopefully he's shortened up his swing a little bit not as many strikeouts this year uh you know not as much chasing that breaking ball in the dirt tighten up that eye uh, having Justin Turner back this year is going to be huge for that team. And Muncy re- had an excellent breakout year last year. I loved what I saw from him. And that Dodgers team is just going to be a nightmare in the National League. Oh, definitely. And, uh, and if it weren't for – and with Turner's absence for the first couple months of the year because of a broken left wrist, Max Muncy, Matt Kemp, those guys really stepped up big time. But we'll get to that in just a moment. But – Let's move on to my pick to win the American League Most Valuable Player Award. I, I think Mike Trout and Mookie Betts and Jose Altuve and Francisco Lindor will be in the race, but I'm going to pick a guy that I think that is primed to win it this year, and I think he's a guy that I also like on the Houston Astros, if you know who I'm talking about. And I think this is going to be the first year he wins it over Mike Trout, over Mookie Betts, over Aaron Judge, and over uh, Jose Altuve and Francisco Lindor, I'm going with Alex Bregman. I love Alex Bregman. I absolutely love Alex Bregman. I think he's a top five third baseman in this league. Love what I saw from him last year. And it was essential because it was a down year for Carlos Correa. 
and he was really able to come through for them in key spots and put up big numbers. On my side for the American League MVP, I think if he's able to stay healthy for a full season, uh, last year he missed a good stretch of baseball for the New York Yankees. I'm going with Aaron Judge to win the American League MVP. Not unanimously. I think it's going to be a very tight race with guys like Bregman and Betts and uh, Trout and Lindor and Altuve being in there, but I do have Aaron Judge winning the American League MVP for what I believe are going to be the first place New York Yankees. Yeah, and I think with the Red Sox, with them being in first place, it would be the reason why. I think J.D. Martinez will be in the mix for it, too. Um, I think um, Chris Davis of the Oakland A's will also be in the mix, too. And then um, I see... I'm not sure who I see for the Mariners who's going to be in that MVP race, but definitely I see Bregman. Bregman's my favorite to win the most viable player award for the American League from what you said. Cause when, it, when Carlos Correa is healthy, he's an MVP caliber player. And he is, with, he is. With, and with, um, with Alex Bregman, he's very versatile. He could play shortstop and he could also play third. He can, he's a great player. And that Astros team, will be even more dangerous if they can get Correa back to the the regular production that we see him have. And what I really love about this American League race is how deep it is. We you know, we we just listed about eight or nine guys that have the ability to win this award. It's a, it's an amazing race with the amount of power bats that you have in the American League. Oh yeah, for sure. Now let's move on to some breakout players for the Dodgers in 2019 then we'll go on to your match. So, for the Dodgers, I have Alex Verdugo, Caber Ruiz being breakout rookies for sure. And I think who's going to get even better this year is Walker Bueller and Julio Urias. I agree with you on all four of those. I Like I mentioned, I think that Walker Bueller is, is going to be an 18-game winner this year. Um, you know, we saw big-time stuff from him, obviously, in the playoffs. And having that one-two punch of Kershaw and Bueller is – is going to be absolutely lethal for them. I think this is a year that Bueller is a top five Cy Young guy. I think he's going to be absolutely tremendous. I think with Verdugo, I see him already having to step in uh, in in the outfield for me. And I think you know with the power potential that we've been hearing about for him, that he's going to put up some good numbers. He's not going to have a whole lot of pressure to do a ton in that lineup because of how deep it is, one through nine. And he's going to be able to go out there and just swing fluidly and be able to just let it loose. And I think he's going to have a wonderful season for the Dodgers this year. He will. I mean, with Verdugo, he's not a guy that relies on the power and the home rumble. He's a guy that makes contact very well from what I've seen out of him. And he's a guy that's very good defensively in the outfield. And I see him taking over for Yasiel Puig in right field. I I do agree with you. I see an outfield this year of uh, Taylor Bellinger and – uh, Verdugo in, in some form of fashion. You can debate however you want to put them pos- uh, positionally. Um, but I think outfield-wise, it's going to be a very solid young outfield for what should be years to come. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's why I have Chris Taylor in left and Bellinger in center and uh, Verdugo in right, like we talked about last week. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a really, really nice outfield to watch. I can't personally wait, even though obviously – I don't have as much uh, visual access to the Dodgers as I may as I may uh, like to have. I, I think that this is going to be a very very exciting team. It will be. And talk about the New York Mets. I think from that eleven and one start, and now, I, and then they 
faltered down the stretch. I see this player on the New York Mets having a breakout season, being in contention for MVP this year. You know who I'm talking about. It's going to be Michael Conforto. Uh, you, oh, we certainly hope. We certainly hope up here in New York. And, you know, we, we've seen – We've seen brilliance out of him. Um, I think one of the key things that I'm looking at this year in his transformation is his ability to hit lefties. Obviously, that's been a big problem for him. Uh, In his rookie year, it was just brutal. Um, Last year, he started to come around a little bit, especially in the second half. But, you know, I I think him being able to have consistent splits uh, up at the plate is going to be big for him. And then, you know, obviously – not having Cespedes in that lineup, he's going to have to be that big bat in the outfield. And I think he's going to be able to fulfill that void this uh, fulfill that role this year. Two other guys that I'm looking for to have big years. I want to see Zach Wheeler take what he did in the second half of the season and build that over the course of a full year. Cause I think having DeGrom as a one and Cindergaard as a two with Wheeler, the kind of stuff that he has as a three is just an absolutely lethal one, two, three punch. Um, And then I'm looking for a guy who I also saw do some really nice things when they let him kind of swing a little bit and kind of put the uh, foot on the gas pedal is Ahmed Rosario, the shortstop position. Yeah, I I agree with those guys, but I also see Brandon Nemo being in that mix too. But I mean, this Mets team is going to be a lot better this year. They are. They are. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to go out there and say that they're going to, you know, win the division. I think this is obviously the Braves division to lose. The Phillies are going to be better if they sign, you know, when they sign Harper, which I think they will. Um, obviously, the Nationals are always going to be a big contender. But this is a team that is going to make some noise uh, with the signings that they've had. And, you know, I, I'm I'm certainly looking for those guys. And you mentioned Nimmo. Um, you know, I'd like to see a lot of consistency out of him. There was a point in the year where he was top 10 in OPS. And that was right. That was, I believe right around the all-star break. I thought he should have uh, gotten a little more consideration. Then he kind of faltered off later in the year. He started to get a little bit uh, power happy, started to try to swing for the fences a little more, got a little pull happy, pulled off his swing. Um, I'd love to see him bring some consistency to the plate all around this year. Oh yeah. And then let's talk about now, is Manny Machado likely going to sign with the White Sox? And I believe he will. I think he will. And I, I got to tell you, I was surprised at the deal that the White Sox gave him. It's uh, reported by Buster only seven years, $175 million. Now, I'm sure a lot of people are looking at that like, wow, that's great money. He may as well just take that. But I think I look at it. I was expecting somewhere between the 250 to $300 million range for a guy of his caliber. Um, I think he got a little bit low-balled with 7-175, but obviously I think, the, I think the Phillies are out just because I see them really going after Harper more so than Machado. And I think right now it's going to end up being one of those things where the White Sox are going to end up maybe being his only option, and he's going to end up having to sign there, which I, it's going to be a great signing either way. But I, I do look at the money, and I kind of I, I was a little puzzled about it. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I thought he got low-balled. He might have, but I also think Machado goes to the White Sox, and the question remains now for Bryce Harper, will he remain with the Nationals or sign with Philly? But I kind of agree with you that he's going to sign with the Phillies and join that outfield with Herrera and McCutcheon so that you can move McCutcheon to left field and put Harper in right field. I see Bryce Harper go to the Phillies. I do. I think the momentum is certainly leaning that way, and I certainly think that the Phillies are going to be able to dish out a good amount of money for him to be able to do so. 
Um, I, I think it ultimately, I think it makes the most sense uh, for him to go to Philadelphia, not just because of the money, but because it's a, you know, it, it's a division familiarity. He's got great numbers against those teams throughout that division, especially against the Mets. He's hitting over 300 lifetime against New York. Um, you know, I, I, I think him fitting into that outfield with McCutcheon and Herrera lengthens that lineup behind Reese Hoskins. And it, it, it's certainly leaning that way, especially after that reported five-hour meeting that they had in Las Vegas the other week. Oh, yeah, for sure. And before we go from our MLB teams, I'll go from worst to first in 2019 and our final MLB thoughts. Talk about some of the umpires we don't like. But as we talked about and we discussed before the show, um, Angel Hernandez, to me, is by far one of the worst umpires in baseball, along with Marty Foster, along with Joe West. And C.B. Buckner has to be up there, too. Oh, C.B. Buckner's absolutely up there for me. He's a, he's a guy that, uh, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to watch for a good amount of time. I even had the opportunity to watch him behind uh, home plate actually live. And, um, you know, to me, he's just one of those guys that just seems to have a floating strike zone. Uh, you never really know what he's going to be doing behind the plate on a particular day. Um, Angel Hernandez, I, I can the, – the biggest thing that sticks out to me from Angel Hernandez that I can remember in recent memory – it's Red Sox-Yankees in the division series, series tied at one. There were four calls in that game that Angel Hernandez got wrong and New York overturned on replay. It's one thing if you get a bang-bang call wrong and over the course of a game, but to have four calls, you shouldn't be out there as an umpire. And on top of that, he's got way too quick of a trigger. He's got rabbit ears, and he's just – He's just absolutely atrocious. By far the number one worst umpire in, in all of Major League Baseball. He's terrible. Um, I also have Phil Cuzzy on my list. Uh, Joe West is, is obviously on my list. He's the, the most famous one, I, I believe, of the, of the bad umpires other than probably Hernandez. Oh, definitely. Joe West makes me sick to my stomach because when he's behind the plate, it takes longer to, for him to call strikes because he has a very small strike zone. And- I agree with you about Phil Cuzzy, too. Phil Cuzzy's a guy – I know he's a pitcher-friendly umpire, but he's not good for hitters. No, Oh, my God, no, he is. He's god-awful for hitters. And it's one thing to be a pitcher-friendly umpire. It's another thing to have it completely swayed in the favor of the pitcher, which is pretty much the style of Phil Cuzzy. Oh, yeah, and also don't forget about Tom Hallion. He's my favorite umpire. <laughs> oh, Tom Hallion, what a guy. Uh, oh, boy. I also have uh, Alfonso Marquez – uh, on my list as well. Yeah, as your favorite or wor- or bad umpire? Oh, a oh, bad umpire. Oh, yeah. He's he's number five for me, just behind uh, Joe West. I have uh, ain't my list of worst umpires, top to bottom, is uh, Angel Hernandez, one, C.B. Buckner, two, Phil Cuzzy, three, Joe West, four, and Alfonso Marquez, five. For me, um, my, for me, my rankings for my worst umpire list is Number one is Marty Foster. Number two is Angel Hernandez. Number three is Joe West. Number four is Jerry Lane. And number five is Mark Wagner. And Chad Fairchild. Mark Mark Wagner is most famous for having, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the video of Hawk Harrelson going absolutely off on Mark Wagner during, I believe it was the White Sox versus the Tampa Bay Rays. If you're not, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go ahead and look it up because Hawk Harrelson absolutely reamed this guy out in the booth. Oh yeah. And I mean, 
I've seen Mark Wegner behind the plate twice when I went to Dodgers games live last year. And man, I cannot stand his strike zone. It is terrible. Oh God. Yeah, it, it is. And I think the, it's, it's amazing how across all three major professional sports, NBA, NFL, and MLB, there, there just seems to be a giant officiating problem right now as far as being able to not, not even just get calls right, but be able to interact with players. Both of those just seem to be a, a giant problem. And obviously it's, it's one that's a little – it's harder to fix. It's much easier said than done. Um, but, you know, it, it certainly is an epidemic right now. I – I have Mark Wegner, and also I mentioned to you Chad Fairchild is tied for fifth on my worst umpire list. I don't, I absolutely don't like Chad Fairchild. He is terrible and blind. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I can't, I'm going to be honest, I can't, I haven't seen a whole ton of, of Chad Fairchild games, um, but I'm going to go ahead and take your word for it just because I can't imagine an umpire not being blind from my, uh, from my own personal experience as well. I also don't like – I also can't stand Jerry Lang, too. He doesn't have a very good strike zone. He's an umpire that uh, – I just can't even stand Jerry Lang. <laughs> I can't stand him either. He's, he's absolutely terrible. And I, I th- what's amazing is that we can go down the list of bad umpires all day long. But, um, you know, it's, it's just a, – it's a problem. And I think it's mainly a behind-the-plate issue. I think a lot of these guys try to be too fine with their strike zones or – if they're pitcher friendly guys, like a guy like a Phil Cuzzy, it's, it's just, it's brutal. It's brutal all the way around. These guys really need to, they, they need, I think, you know, they were talking about last year and I know Eric Burns of, of MLB network is a guy that's a big proponent of this, of automated strike zones. And I don't see why in the next couple of years with such umpire error that they won't start leaning that way. They should do a computer um, computer strike zones. Like you said, um, you, you've watched C.B. Buckner behind the plate. I think C.B. Buckner's okay, but, I mean, I don't really like so, sometimes how he how he uh, behaves behind the plate because he's very arrogant. He is incredibly arrogant. He's incredibly arrogant. And I can remember a game in particular um, against the Toronto Blue Jays where, um, you know, Jay Happ threw a ball on the inside part of the plate. He called it a ball, and Happ simply just wanted to understand – where that ball was and and he got incredibly confrontational for no reason and just and and then even got confrontational with the uh blue jays manager at the time john gibbons when he was just they're all they're doing is asking for an explanation i think that as an umpire you are i I don't want to say obligated but i i feel as though that people you know the players are deserving of some sort of an explanation you don't have to go lengthy but you know if i'm talking about the strike zone was it in? Was it high? Was it, you know, was it down? Whatever the case may be, just so I know how to adjust my, you know, adjust my location. Yeah, I think, I think that should be a reviewable play. And then before we get to our final MLB thoughts, and we'll talk about the worst umpire list next week, I'll give you some more names next week. So um, I think a team that's going to go from worst to first this year is the Chicago White Sox. I actually agree with you. I have the Chicago White Sox on that list. I do think that um, I, I don't see them being able to overtake the Cleveland Indians in that division. I still think that the Indians are, A, the better team, and, B, it's their division to win. But I think that the White Sox, especially if they sign Manny Machado, have a sneaky chance of maybe competing for that second wild card this year. Yeah, so my final MLB thought is I think with Vlad Guerrero Jr., he's going to take over for Josh Donaldson as their starting third baseman for 
the Blue Jays. I think Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to have a, a solid defense at third, but Blue Jay fans, be ready to see him fly with his bat. Oh, he's going to be absolutely amazing for that team. My final MLB thought here, if the, uh, I, I saw a thing today from Bleacher Report that the Philadelphia Phillies are envisioning the idea of signing not only Bryce Harper, but Mike Trout in 2020 when his free agency period hits. And if, if Bryce Harper gets onto that team and they're able to sign a Dallas Keuchel or a Craig Kimbrell to a, a decent deal and get themselves flying, don't be surprised if those two things happen. And don't be surprised if for the next five or six years to come, if the Phillies are one of the more dominant teams in the national league, once again, going back to their days of, of Howard and Rollins and Doc Halliday. All right, so we'll take another break, and then when we come back, uh, Keith, we'll talk about the NBA.